just what will the Reds do this offseason? Welcome into the bonus Q&A edition, the uh, extra Q&As from the Aloha Live Friday episode. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and like I said, this is the bonus Q&A edition. What's up? My name is Jeff Carr. Steve Offenbaker is with me as we answer your questions. There are a lot of great questions about off-season plans, what the Reds might do. Also, we talk a little bit about Hunter Green and what you can expect from him this next season. Thank you so much for joining us on this Locked On Reds bonus edition of the Q&A session. Steve and I have been lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans, and we've turned that addiction into information for you here on this Locked On Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And thank you for joining us every single day. If you're an everydayer, appreciate you doing so. Make sure you shout us out on Twitter. Shout us out on the comments section on YouTube. And make sure you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you this offseason. And we'll be with you every single day throughout the offseason. We're also going to have these Aloha Live Friday episodes. If you missed the episode live, we're going to be live on Friday afternoons, whether it be 1 p.m. or 3 p.m. Eastern Time, talking Reds with you all throughout the offseason. But let's jump into it. We kind of start off, we look at a question surrounding whether or not the Reds and, and Cincinnati as a whole being a great baseball town draws in free agents. All right, Jeff, this next question comes from Nate over on subtext. What changes do you feel the Reds need to make to get over the hump next season? Uh, let's approach this from an internal angle, not necessarily what moves the Reds make in the offseason, but how players remaining can improve next year. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. That That's something... I really think, and it's it's intriguing because Gordon Wintmeyer was talking about, you know, the difference that starting pitching would have made, and Nick Crawl kind of rebuttaled and said, well, yeah, but we also really took a dive on getting on base the second half of the season. Our, our lineup just stopped getting on base as well as they were in the months of June and July and things like that. And we did see that, that as the Reds were better at getting on base in September, they were more successful. I think that... On a whole, there were some guys going through some adjustments that they weren't necessarily making as quickly as we thought they could. But also, the, the other teams, opposing teams, learned how to pitch the Reds. They learned that they're a patient team. So you throw strikes. You force them to take strike one or take strike two and be down in the count really, really early. How do the Reds adjust to that in or you know through this offseason into next year. And is that something that we see the league once again, change surrounding them? Because this team, as much as we love to bash on Ellie for being a very aggressive hitter, Ellie is not the rule. He is the exception. This team is not a very like chase happy team. TJ Friedel does not chase. Noel V. Marte does not chase CES. Uh, Matt McClain. Those guys don't chase bad pitches. So other teams found that out and they had their pitchers just absolutely go ham on the strike zone. How do the Reds change their approach in the offseason? Because we noticed that there were a lot of guys going down 0-2 and then the the the, the bats themselves come down to the little microcosms of how do umpires call balls and strikes. And when you leave it up to the umpire, you lose. 
I, I don't care what the scenario is. You lose. You know, for me, if we're not talking about just going out and getting players and and where we're going to bolster this team, and and there will be time Which to have they that will, conversation. But this is, they will. Yeah, yeah. There'll be time to have that conversation. Uh, for me, this is what I know. There, this roster already has the makings of a playoff team. It already has yeah. the talent to be a playoff team. The problem is that for a large portion of the season, all of that talent wasn't on the field together. And I've seen enough over the last two years with how the Reds have handled injuries, how the medical staff has, has helped players recover. Uh, I've seen enough. I, I think an overhaul is warranted in that system and the way that the Reds do things. Uh, I think the biggest change that they could make to get over the hump for 2024 is to start over there i i think that the medical staff should be turned over and look for a different approach look for new people i think whatever the strength and conditioning coaches are doing is not working so either those guys need to change their programs or they need to bring in new guys because the key for me is to keep everybody on the field as much as possible in 2024 and if you can do that then the other work that you need to do is not really that daunting. Now there's not really that many more tweaks that you need to make. If you've got all of these young core players healthy through most of the season. Now injuries are going to happen. There's going to be nicks. There's going to be bruises. There's going to be times where a guy needs four, five, six quick uh, injured list visit, whatever you got to do. But the, the nagging lingering, he's going to be out two weeks. Oh, sorry. We meant six months. Uh, that stuff's got to stop. And, and I just, maybe it's because we pay attention to it so close covering the team, Jeff, but I just feel like that mess happens here a whole lot more than it. And then I hear about it happening anywhere else in the league. And it really seemed to be an uptick last year too. Like there were more cases of, you know, you see this, you see this little news update where it says so-and-so, yeah, there you go. Um, hire Steve to the medical staff. But there, there were more cases where you saw so-and-so was returned from a rehab assignment. I never had to know what that was until this past year. And there was like at least a handful of cases where the Reds did that, where they had a guy start in rehab, whether it be in Louisville, whether it be in Arizona, wherever. And then at some point during his rehab, it was like, okay, he's not better. We need to return him back to the injured list. And it felt like the Reds were doing that a lot last year. So I, I, I'm definitely with you. That is something that needs to change. Whatever the Phillies do, if they can find guys that do that, I feel like the Phillies are the most healthy team in this postseason. And I think that's one of the reasons why they look like a juggernaut who could probably go all the way and win the World Series. So, And it helps that they have a, a load of talent as well, but also they're healthy. That's not something that the Reds said at the end of the season. There was a lot of injuries at the end of the year, which, you know, I, I saw people say, well, you know, I think if Matt McClain were here, it would have been different. I think if Graham Ashcraft were here, it would have been different. And yeah, it would have been, but that's part of it. And I'm with you. The medical staff needs, they need to figure it out a little bit. Um, next year. I don't know what that entails, but they need to figure out what they're doing. I got another question here from Malachi Hayes on the lockdown reds insiders before we jump into our, uh, our questions in the comments section. And, and I like this question because, and I know we, we bashed the spot track valuation of this guy, but he asked this, what possible free agent outfielders could we get? And what about Harrison Bader? Now, Anywhere near what Spot Track said for Harrison Bader, I'm not interested because Spot Track said that he deserves $15 million a year. <laughs> no. Anyone else <laughs> that I think the Reds could go after? I, I haven't looked specifically at the names, 
But I do think that this is a free agent we could see the red sign. Again, it's not going to be a podium-type deal. It's not going to be a, a press conference-type deal that we're just like, wow, they got that guy. But it's going to be a solid dude who fits in with this lineup and is probably the right-handed platoon to Will Benson or Jake Fraley. You know, I see a scenario where they may not go out and sign a right-handed bat. Now, I know that Nick Crawl said he wasn't thinking about Ellie or India in the outfield, but that's where he's at in October of 2023. What the reality of February, March of 2024 looks like could be a completely different situation. If they in fact do not trade Jonathan India and instead keep him around either to try and bolster his value or to just truly keep him around, they're going to have to find playing time. And that already includes playing Spencer Steer in left field a lot if you've got Jonathan Indy on this team. You will still need to find places for him to get his at-bats. For me, that simply becomes the necessity of one of Ellie or India taking some games out in the outfield. Uh, For me, I would much rather see it be Jonathan India. I I would much rather them find a way to use him as a platoon out there from time to time. And, And then hopefully be able oh this is going to light everybody up hopefully be able to trade him trade jonathan india get his value uh bring in some pieces to help the team maybe that's an outfielder maybe it's not because i also think at some point in time next season we may see blake dunn and blake dunn is a right-handed bat uh he hits for some power and you can stick him out there in the outfield and everything will be hunky-dory so do you go and sign a guy Knowing that Blake Dunn is probably coming at some point, do you do you open with what you got and then make some trades? I'm not sure what the right answer is, but I do think that Nick Crawl saying it's not going to be Ellie, it's not going to be India. Well, that's October 23. Let's let's revisit that subject when we're out in Goodyear. I'm intrigued, and and this would this would be interesting to me. I don't necessarily know if the Reds would go do this because spot track has them valued around 7 million, but a dude that we saw from the twins last year, Michael A. Taylor is going to be a free agent. Get her done. You know, there we go. Easy nickname uh, for Blake Dunn. But uh, Michael A. Taylor was uh, one of those dudes that robbed homers uh, from the Reds in that twin series. He was a fantastic love. I saw many great plays from him in center field, but also he's, an okay hitter. He's not going to throw you go go crazy with you, but he's going to provide outfield defense. I don't know where the Reds are getting their outfield defense this, this coming season. I think TJ Friedel and Will Benson are good, but outside of that, they don't have a lot of good gloves out there. And I think Michael A. Taylor could be he's a right-handed bat, so he could be a good right field platoon or right-handed platoon option that maybe, you know, against lefties, you shift Friedel over into right field or something like that. And then, and, and it looks good, but it's, it's easy to get into the weeds on a lot of specific names, but that's, that's a guy that really kind of intrigues me. Just looking at that list. Let's take one more and then jump into this, uh, the comment section here and take some live Q and a, uh, before I get into that, I want to shout out one of the sponsors of today's podcast. And that is sleeper. The playoffs are down to the league championship series stage, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to get a hundred times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now with studs like Bryce Harper, Corbin Carroll, and Evan Carter and Nick Castellanos. I can't believe he's not in this read. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a hundred times the payout on sleeper. 
Get your picks right, and you could win big. And here we get to the Nick Cassiano's portion <laughs> of the read. He's looking like the you next Mr. October. Good job, Jeff. I think I'd smash more on the homers for him as he is sending all kinds of deep drives out of the ballpark. Think Cassianos would be a good guy to help you win your 100 times your money? I think he would be. Plus, when you sign up, you can use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. So you get 100 times your money on sleep picks and you can start with an extra hundred dollars matched on your first deposit they're giving away money for free folks terms and conditions apply see sleepers terms of use for details today's episode is brought to you in part by jace medical you know there's a lot of things that go on and a lot of uncertainty around the world today and it's important to be prepared maybe you're traveling overseas maybe there are events taking place that are out of your control don't let your health be out of control. Jace Medical wants you to be in control of your health. That's why they have the Jace case. Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers custom custom customization for your jace case with dozens of add-on medications that's a hard word to say in the moment choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs you can also buy a gift card for family members or loved ones that you want to see get a jace case of their own go to jacemedical.com and enter the promo code locked on at checkout for a 20 dollars discount on your order that's promo code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at J-A-S-E medical.com. What can make Hunter Green a legitimate ace of this staff? Well, we are we in agreement that he's not quite ace level yet? Um, I'm, I'm in agreement that he's not quite ace level yet. He's got to be consistent to be an ace. He's just yeah. not consistent. So, and I think that's where this answer starts. You know, what makes him a legitimate ace? He becomes consistent. He becomes consistent with three or four pitches. He, you know, he, for to be an ace, you know, you need to be striking fear in your opponent every time you take the bump. We're talking about Kershaw in his prime. We're talking about Verlander. We're talking about Scherzer. We're talking about guys that go out there and you see them as you're the opposing team, the opposing fans, and you're like, well, crap. This is what we're doing today. That's that's what an ace is. And Hunter Green has that at times, but you never know until you're at the ballpark and you see what he's doing that day, which Hunter Green you're going to get. So for me, that's the answer. Get consistent on three or four pitches and and consistently work them every time out. That's what will make him uh, the ace of this rotation. And I think the ability is there, Jeff. I mean, you oh, see yeah. it. I see it. The Reds see it. That's why he was the first one that they gave a deal to to kind of buy out a couple of free agent years, keep the arbitration numbers steady, know exactly what they're getting into with him but uh he does still have some work to do he is uh, by by no means is he a finished product i think and, and i think he realized this later on in the season and i think he's going to be more consistent with this next year but everybody's caught up to 100 hitters see 100 on a recent or on a on a very consistent basis and so it's not a novelty for them it's not something that really you know really surprises them anymore what surprises them is a fastball with movement and we saw him in a couple of different starts have a fastball with kind of a rising movement, maybe even a little bit of a two-seam action where it breaks a little bit away from left-handed hitters. And when his fastball was doing that was his best games. It was when his fastball was flat 
was when it was his worst games and he was giving up a lot of home runs. I think that we'll see him continue to, to work on whatever grip that was that was allowing him to get more movement on his fastball. And yeah, the velocity comes down. It's about 96, 97. But as Chris Welsh has said, as Jeff Brantley has said, as anyone who knows anything about pitching has said, a 95 fastball that moves is way better than a 100 mile an hour fastball that sits flat. And that's really where hitters dominated him last season. So I think that that will only continue to grow. And as he gets more consistent with the fastball with movement, that's when we're going to see him take hold of that ace mantle. All right, Jeff, let's dive into our comment section here on YouTube and, and start to work our way through some of these questions. Thanks to everybody that's here and watching live on our first uh, Aloha Friday edition of the show this 2023-2024 offseason. Uh, let's get right into it. We'll start with Brendan, who asks the question, what could we get for India? And I don't think this is necessarily a, a question we can answer with specific players, but it does make me want to ask, Jeff, where do you see India's value right now uh, is he in a declining value phase until he proves a little more is his value back on the uptick after the, his injury filled 2022 well, where do you see him in the value scale right now i definitely think it's it's better than it was last offseason it's not as good as it was after 2021 2021 was where it was its highest uh because of the rookie of the year and all that good stuff i still think there's plenty of intrigue in him it's just which teams are going to know what role they can fill with him because defensively he doesn't profile that great as a second baseman, but he also doesn't have a great arm. So does third base really work for you? And he doesn't have a ton of power. So it, it, are you, where are you okay? Sacrificing a power third baseman for that? Like I do think that he's got value, but I don't think he's got the, we're going to trade Jonathan India for like a number two starting pitcher type value. I think we're looking at more so maybe like a, a back end of the rotation guy. Uh, maybe they could flip him for a, a decent outfielder or something like that. Not a 40 homer guy. I've seen a lot of people saying that, like, we need a 40 homer guy. I'm like, great. Is there any available? Like dude, 40 homer guys aren't just out there. Like, like Hunter Renfro and all them were not 40 homer guys and they were on the waiver wire for a reason. So I really think that at the end of the day, you're going to see the Reds probably get a back end of the rotation type starter for him. Maybe somebody that's in the middle of their career, maybe on the downswing, just because right now I don't think his value is as high as it could be. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is on the uptick again. I, I think that was a pretty good assessment of where I think his value is right now as well. I could see them a deal for India that looks something like a, a low A, maybe even a high A prospect coming back plus a major league guy that needs a change of scenery deal mm -hmm. that needs that needs to try and reinvent himself at a ballpark that uh, is pretty good at allowing you to reinvent yourself if you come in and have some success. So I could see it being that type of deal if they were to trade him this offseason, given what his value is now. Of course, bringing him back to start 2024, that's a gamble. Either he performs well and raises his value or – he doesn't and his value goes down again. You know, it's a coin flip and I'm not sure where Nick crawl is on being willing to risk it, but I do know. And I do believe that they have shopped India a couple times now uh, over the last six, eight months and just weren't able to put something together. So I, I think for me, that means the reds have him valued a little bit higher than the rest of the league does this minute. 
And I bet they're going to be inclined to bring him back and try and raise his value uh, and trade him closer to the all-star break. I would agree with that. And I, I think that, you know, if, if you're looking to trade him for an upgrade, you're probably still going to have to package like a, a mid-level prospect with him. Yep. It's not going to be Jonathan India for like, you know, I know he's going to be a free agent, but for example, if this were Jordan Montgomery, you're not getting Jordan Montgomery with Jonathan India. You're you're going to have to put somebody else with him. So I think that if there is a trade for him that is of super consequence, we're seeing multiple players go. I, I think that's probably true. Let's uh, get into another one. Carlton Van Hoy checks in, says De La Cruz in the outfield is a surefire way to make sure he leaves town. What do you think, Jeff? Does that alienate him? Does that make him so. mad? I mean, he has said he's like, I'm a free agent or I'm mean, not a free agent. I am a shortstop. That's what he said. And I I admire that. But I also know that, at, you know, whenever a team approaches you about how you can best help them, very few players are going to be like, no, I'm going to play where I'm going to play. And I think especially where he's at in his career, he will take whatever assigned uh, position you give him. But I do think that he prefers to play shortstop. I don't think that that alienates him to make him want to leave or something like that. I mean, we're, we're talking another five years down the road here. There's a lot that's going to happen in the next five years, whatever it may be. And I don't think telling him on year two, really year one and a half of his career, that he's going to change positions is going to be the thing, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And and him in getting some outfield time in 2024 doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make him a full-time outfielder either. I think right. that they could they could use him in some spots for the next year or so before settling into where his permanent home is going to be. And, and I don't see there being any fallout from that when it comes time to extend him or not. And he's going to be a tough extend anyway, folks. So let's uh, let's not have our hearts set on him never being able to get out of town. Cause that could be a problem for us down the road. Calvin oh. checks in. Jeff says, is there a left-handed back currently on the roster who plays first base? Is this a need? No. CES will be the everyday first baseman. Right. And, 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 and I don't think you need, uh, he's a, not a, a left-handed bat per se. He doesn't need to be platooned. Uh, no. can give him rest using steer or, many other guys so I, I don't think that's a need um you know if they can get a you know aged veteran left-handed power bat that you could spot start at first base and dh and and you know maybe they're looking to have one more year in the sun and play just a little Joey bit of baseball. If you could find that guy well you were right with the first name if you could sign that guy um joey Votto maybe would be a good left-handed bat i don't know Anyway. Joey Votto or, or, or another Joey, Joey Gallo could be a, an interesting one as well. But yeah, uh, I don't know that they're going to go get Joey Gallo, although it'd be so fun to see that power of great American ballpark. All right, let's scroll. Sorry. I was doing a bad job of scrolling. Sorry, Jeff. It's okay. No. And I, I really don't think, I mean, outside of Will Benson, I don't see a lot of platoon needs with these young guys. I know there, there's some people that say that Ellie should drop the whole act of trying to hit right-handed, but I think he was fine. Right-handed. Maybe, maybe he has a little bit less power, but there have maybe been two switch hitters in the history of forever 
that don't lose power from one side. Like they have a preferred side, but they're just good enough to hit on the other side as well. So I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Like Will Benson is the only guy that I think. Oh, it's needs funny a you partner. bring up Will Benson because that's the next question. <laughs> speak of the devil. Carrie checks in and says, can you speak to Benson and how he fits in? Yeah, I mean, he murders right-handed pitching, and I think he will continue to murder right-handed pitching. He is uh, a very patient hitter. He's a very smart hitter. He uh, has great pitch recognition on the whole, and I think that he is a huge part of this team moving forward. Is he going to be the everyday guy that I think that he could be? I don't know because the game really isn't lending itself to allowing a left-handed hitter who has platoon split issues early on in his career to work through those issues. They just say, okay, you can't hit lefties. We can find a right-handed uh, batter that can hit lefties. And then we won't, you know, damage the damage, the chance of us winning by having a dude who's an automatic out against a certain type of pitcher in the lineup. And I, I think he's got enough talent to work through it, but the reds are no longer in that mode where guys can work through stuff on the field. Like we are now in the win mode and how do you build the roster to win i still think uh, will benson has a lot of value to this team moving forward uh but if he were a part of a trade that also not well, wouldn't surprise me super much like I, I i understand that there's a value in a guy who can play every day well i spoke the name so we're gonna have to talk about it jonathan's asking for our gut feeling what happens with Votto. uh finds it hard to believe that they haven't discussed it or thought about it uh they don't well, have a decision. I, I, they didn't. They have discussed it because reports are Joey is not happy with what they have discussed. It's right, just I, they haven't made a decision. Yeah, and I, I think that I mean they've been talking about it all year, and I think yeah. that the lack of this is what I know for sure. I know for sure that Joey Votto was told all the way back in April that they weren't going to pick up the option. Uh, there, barring a, a 30 yeah. home run all-star season from beginning to finish, there was no way the Reds were going to do that. They told Joey way back in April they weren't going to do it. Uh, I think the the lack of fanfare, the lack of the goodbye tour, the lack of all the things we thought we should have seen with Joey, uh, that was because Joey said no. Joey said he didn't want it. Joey said he's not retiring. Joey said he's going to play. And he's been saying that he wants to play since he had a mic on at the Field of Dreams game. His message has been very, very consistent and very, very well thought out for him. So I think that Joey needs to go test the market. Joey needs to find out if there are teams that believe like Joey does that he can be an everyday guy and play 140 games, 150 games for some team out there and uh, for the money that he thinks that he should get doing that. Uh, I think it could end up being a little humbling for Joey because I don't know that he's going to find that partner and he's going to find that situation. Once he realizes that that situation may not exist for him, then's the time for the Reds to engage in a conversation and see if they can get him back here on some kind of part-time plan. But I don't think Joey Votto, the player, the person right now here in October of 2023 is in a space to look at that pitch from the Reds and say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I think he needs to go out and, and see. And, and you know, if he can find that, Jeff, if he can find a team to give him uh, 140 starts and, and maybe it's a playoff contender, I don't know. Uh, I would suspect that 
a 40 going to be 41 year old first baseman being your 140, 150 start guy also may mean you're not necessarily in a position to win your division. I'm not sure. I don't think those things go hand in hand. No, I, I, I would agree. Um, I, I I'm curious about this because the thought that I keep having reading all the different updates and seeing what people are saying and you know, seeing the reported quotes from, you know, whether it be the reds or Joey Votto, it, it kind of makes me wonder. And the only person that can answer this is Joey. And I don't know that we would ever get an answer from him, but would he advise a young player to sign a 10 or a 10 year deal or to turn down a 10 year deal? Because I wonder if he's not having a little bit of like, I kind of wish I did this free agency thing like five or six years ago, mm -hmm. uh, because he would have been a really hot commodity back then. And it's just right now teams know what they're getting with Joey. They're getting a very smart player who can be a very good mentor for a young roster. But when he's up there at bat and he's facing down the opposing pitcher, it's not a sure thing what you're going to get out of him on an at-bat to at-bat basis because of what he's dealt with health-wise and because of where he is at in his career. So that And that's the most objective I've ever been about talking about Joseph Daniel Votto because I believe that he's a real-life superhero. And I just think that moving forward, he's probably going to get a lot of the same reactions that the Reds are giving him. All right, there's a lot of talk of possible landing spots for India. I see Seattle, uh, jokingly, uh, a Castillo for India trade. Uh, I can't find it. I have to scroll way back to get it, but I think maybe Van Hoy said it. Someone said that they had India valued uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of Kyle Farmer, and I don't know if he's quite that low, but, but I kind of see the point. I mean, you know, the the comment read something the the comment read something along the lines of you know he's he's a guy really without a position that you can't just drop into a roster and has a true starting spot and i i kind of see that comparison a little bit um maybe india has a little more upside than farmer or is a little bit better than farmer um i think the value is a little bit higher but i don't necessarily think that's an awful comparison either yeah i think the 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 big value of trading Jonathan India is the upside. You can trade on the upside. I feel like where Kyle Farmer was at his point in his career, he didn't have near as much upside as Jonathan India currently does. And I think that, you know, if you get him in the right position, uh, and maybe you get just this savant of a hitting coach or something that can, and can unlock his power because I feel like he has more power that we just don't see consistently then who knows? Maybe he, maybe he goes off. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I do agree with Carlton Van Hoy's assessment that I think you can play him anywhere. You don't feel great about him anywhere, but you can play him anywhere and be okay with it. It's just when you really dive deep into how he fits into that particular position, then you start to find some warts that you're like, okay, we got to answer these questions. All right, let's get one more in here sure. before we get out. Uh, I'm going to scroll. Talk about something insightful for a second. Insightful, insightful, yes. Um, it no, can't it be can't comic be. book, and it can't be comic book related. No, we, won't, we won't go into that, although there is a great Transformers comic book Stop out it. there. Don't do it. Don't you anyway, do it. Uh, 
Yeah, no, uh, looking into next week, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because we are going to break down the red season into three episodes. We're going to look at the first two months. Then we're going to look at the really fun two months on Tuesday, uh, looking at when Matt McClain and Elliot De La Cruz were called up and the just crazy streak they went on. And then on Wednesday, we'll sum up the season in the final two months of the year and just kind of dive deep. We're going to spend each episode just looking at those two months and what the Reds were doing, what the roster looked like, some some big games, some missed opportunities, things like that. that that's what we're going to focus on the first three days of next week. And I'm working on, I got a got a couple of invitations up in the air to maybe see if we can get us a, a, a interesting guest on to talk about some Reds baseball next week as well. And we'll be back next Friday as well with the Love Off Friday. All right, let's do one more here. Let's go to Aaron, who says, does green improve from last year or plateau? And I wanted to go to this one to finish because we talked about what green needs to do to be considered an ace, but we didn't really discuss whether or not we believe that he can and will do it. And I still believe in Hunter Green. I still believe that he's going to be an amazing talent in this rotation for many years to come. Uh, I think that the right people are in this organization to help him along the, the right coaching staff, the right people are around him. Uh, he has a great head on his shoulders. He's very articulate. He's very smart. And I think he's going to figure it out. I think that the, the health stuff is a big part of the problem right now. I don't think he's been able to settle in. You know, we talked about him needing consistency and if you keep getting nicked up and, and the, the training staff is not getting you back the way they need to get you back, it's hard to develop any kind of consistency at all. So I think if he continues to put in the work that he's putting in and we can solve this medical problem that's been going on in Cincinnati for the last couple of years, uh, I think he can establish himself and start moving in that direction of ace. Uh, but I still believe in him. I still think he can get it done. I, I firmly agree. I, I mean, look, he's, he's not that old. This was just his second full season. And if you look at the amount of innings that he has thrown in the major leagues, we're talking about a guy that's basically had his first full year and maybe uh, first, first full year and change. So he's, he's not got a ton of service time underneath his belt. I, he's just beginning. This is not a guy that's plateaued. I, I think a lot of people wanted him to just go crazy in his second year and thought that he was going to double everything, double his strikeouts. He was going to cut his walks in half. He was going to take his ERA under three. He was going to throw 40 games and average eight innings a start and all this other stuff. He's Young. This whole team is young and there's still plenty of development left for him. And I think that he will, he will take another step forward next year because there's still many steps forward for him to take and he will. All right, Jeff, that is probably where we should go ahead and wrap up our first Aloha Friday live show of the offseason. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, love talking baseball with you guys. Don't forget you can join us over on the Discord server. Uh, we're going to be talking offseason baseball all offseason over there. The link will be in the show description. If you haven't joined us over there, come check it out. You can also hit Jeff up on subtext. The information for that is in the show description as well. And with that said, Jeffrey, get us out of here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this first Aloha Friday. We look forward to you joining us next week as we break down the season into thirds and we start on Monday with the first two months of the season. But until then, you can bet that we will be locked on Reds.
every single day. Figure out why it's so hot in this office. It's so hot. It's because my shirt looks so nice. Yeah, something. 